0: Have you heard about MorningTechMeeting.com? What is that? Someone might ask. And I would say, hey, someone. These are daily six to eight minute sessions sent directly to your team members where Eric, the tech whisperer, Sprague, will lead them through soft skills training. Think about this. As an owner, you can have Eric helping you. To daily enhance your team development, daily accelerate your culture of excellence, and daily boost your bottom line, Eric developed the this system while working in his own company. Something I'm super excited to talk about and share with you in an upcoming episode of the Dojo Podcast. Check this out. Normally, this service is $39 a month. But if you mention the Diojo podcast promo, they'll knock off $10. That's $29 a month to have Eric, the tech whisperer, Sprague, helping you build your team. Check it out at morningtechmeeting.com. They've got free samples and like we said, mention the Diojo podcast promo for your special deal and let's get this thing going. <laughs> welcome back to the Dojo podcast um <laughs> so if you heard our last uh, uh, episode with amy sidlecki the wonderful amy from the mold reporters um, we also announced that we got our shipment of the diojo podcast t-shirts in from our sponsor and partner single speed screenprinting.com Now, some of you are confused because you might have thought I said screen printing like four times. Why would I say that? It's clearly screen printing, S-C-R-E-E-N. So, (laughs) you know, uh, had a survey on Twitter and like thousands of people were like, what's going on? And it was the options were maybe John can't not speak real good. Uh, that was one option, option A. Option B, uh, he did it intentionally because he's a marketing genius. He knew it would stick out in people's minds. Uh, probably that one. Uh, C, maybe had a momentary lapse of coronavirus. Um, you know, not likely. Or some variation of all of the above. I'm going with B. Um, but anyways, I did want to clarify because some people got confused. It's single speed screen printing Dot com. not screen <laughs> I don't know who heard that but so I was thinking about speaking of current events and you know popular icons and <laughs> you know people you look up to and um, or are very scared of but um, Tiger King has been the early binge you know of quarantine given us multitudes of memes and another conspiracy about what happened to Carol Baskin's um, husband I saw on... <laughs> Baskin Robbins, no relation to Carol Baskins. That's pretty genius. Um, When brands, you know, especially national brands, are um, mindful of what's going on in the culture. Pretty funny. But uh, I was thinking, like Joe Exotic, maybe many of us vacillate, you know, start out with the right motives, but maybe go too far, right? That's one character. Or. In these times of quarantine, like Carol Baskins, maybe we're ready to feed our spouse or kids to a tiger, <laughs> you know, allegedly. Um, or like many of the other characters throughout the episodes, um, you know, just sitting back kind of watching the cast thinking like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So um, <laughs> don't eat the pizza. <laughs> but uh, speaking of pizza... I was talking with um, a friend, a local business owner, uh, recently, and we we're thinking about what that looks like as we start to hopefully work through these phases, get people back to work, get out in public, get to the new normal. You know, whether it's uh, getting let out of your cage or letting yourself out of your cage. But um, you know, it, I, I don't think any of us has the magic formula, or the secret sauce, or the fray dust to sprinkle, but. It is going to require all of us to invest locally. Excuse me. And so, you know, what does that look like? Buy local as much as you can and be as generous as you can, you know, with things like tips. And I think that's, you know, and and promote your local businesses. The businesses that you care about, you know, it does help, you know, when you put a picture on Instagram or, you know, put them in your story or whatever. Um, and then for local businesses, um, You know, some people, it bothers me. I think some local businesses are not mindful of the fact that, you know, you have to compete. Like if your prices are going to be higher, um, you have to try to remove barriers. And that's the same we've got to do in property restoration. And especially when you don't do TPA work, if you want to generate a line of work that comes based on relationships and for the values that you provide, you have to be above and beyond, right? Your service, you have to remove barriers. Um, if, if you're not competing on price, you know, you want to charge a higher price, there has to be that, uh, association with your clients and your people, right? Educate your people, um, as to why your products are higher or better, you know, educate your clients. Your service has to be that much better, you know, and, um, you know, it's 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 not going to bode well for businesses that have a sense of entitlement that you must shop local. No, we don't have to shop local. But, uh, you know, obviously it's in everybody's best interest to do so. I was just thinking like, you know, as a small business, it's important that you think through that process of making your value stand out to your customer and making sure that it it aligns with their needs. And then, you know, trying to be invested locally. So I hope that's not uh, mumbo jumbo or um, is as coherent as I think it is. But uh, speaking of a local entrepreneur, it ties into this um, Elon Pasmonic uh, of Born to Repair. Uh, Man, talk about somebody that uh, does not carry a sense of entitlement, is a hardworking person. And just, I don't know if you've picked that up from the people that have been on the podcast, you know, um, property restoration you know does grab a lot of people that are entrepreneurs you know our industry is based in people you know that did carpet cleaning and learned to do water damage did you know some level of construction or cleaning and learned to do fire damage cleanup you know so you know and a lot of people are jumping in on COVID-19 in positive ways to say look this is a need and people need this service we're going to figure this out and so you know we've been an in industry that does that Elon um he uh has a local equipment repair business but he also does virtual con- virtual consultations helping restoration contractors from his mobile HQ uh you know great perspective right instead of having a shop and people bring the stuff to him you've already got a shop with a you know every restoration company has that uh, little section in the back corner with their beat up machines that they can't get to work or they leak um, or the the fans that rattle those kinds of things, and so he comes to local shops in San Diego, um, helps them uh, fix their drying equipment. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, some of the most expensive equipment we have is the dehumidifiers. And so he talks about his running a retail business, helped how, how that helped him crack his shy, come out of his shell as a shy, naturally shy person. And now um, I like to say he's the Renaissance man. Of restoration equipment repair. I don't know, you've got to go to his Instagram at Born to Repair, two spelled out B O R N T O R E P A I R. I can spell uh, Born to Repair on Instagram. He not only repairs dehues, he also writes water damage prose, and it's pretty entertaining. So, hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, Elon Pasmanic of Born to Repair. And um, we'll have some closing comments after we uh, work through this discussion. Thank you for listening to the Joe Podcast. All right, we are here with uh, Elon Pasmanik of Born to Repair. You're there in beautiful San Diego. Looks like uh, you got great weather. Is it warm? Or I noticed you just got a t-shirt on.
1: Well, uh, occasionally the sun comes out, and then I uh, and then I become hot. Yeah. But now it's like it's breezy but but in the good way that doesn't uh, make noise in my uh, mic
0: I hope Oh there you go. <laughs> uh the nature nature is playing along with the with the recording. Huh? So you you're uh you're a uh, you're now you've been in San Diego for quite a while now but you originally um uh came over from Israel correct? Correct. And so um I guess we talked a little bit about this offline, but um and maybe we'll but is property restoration even a thing over in israel i mean do do they have companies that dry out structures and clean up after fires no,
1: so so in in Israel, that doesn't really exist, not yeah. in the way that it is here in the states and and the reason is that in Israel, everything is made out of a concrete, solid concrete or concrete blocks. So if you have a flood, you just wipe it down. Just squeegee it out? And it, yes. And if you, if you have a fire, then the structure still uh, um, stands. So all you need to do is to, to chip the paint off and make a new layer of paint and that's it. Huh. Yeah. So houses don't burn down; they don't burn down in Israel. Maybe you, you'll have a fire inside of the house, but you won't lose the structure.
0: Yeah. Well, I can remember. You know, um, I uh, there was a story. I remember there's a story a couple years back. Um, I think it was down in Florida after a hurricane, and I don't remember. It was uh, a community of people that uh, weren't native to America. And after the hurricanes came through, they all got together and they just repaired each other's houses. And so I remember the the guy writing the art, it was either an article or it was like an interview. And so, you know, for an adjuster that seems like something suspicious, these people just didn't expect anybody else to, you know, repair their houses for them. They're like, we just helped each other out and got it done. You know, it wasn't anything nefarious. They were genuinely helping each other out. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, I think it, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, they do that. Oh, dang. Well, I, I know the Amish, you know, are, are, are you know, the barn raising and that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting how different cultures approach their expectations to when something happens, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, so I always like asking this question. Uh, most people don't set out to get into property restoration and you're obviously... Um, you know, you're a, a service side of that. So how did you get into repairing um, property restoration equipment?
1: So uh, when I moved here uh, from Israel, me and my wife, we opened a retail business. Okay. And we used to have a, we used to have a kiosks in the, in the shopping malls. We did that for 13 or 14 years or so. Wow. And most of the time that was very successful, but now, after the rise of amazon and and the internet and everything, um, you know it stopped being what it used to be. People stopped shopping in the mall like they used to, yeah, and it became harder and harder to sell eventually, we decided to to close that business and for for a while I was a you know I, didn't know, I didn't know what I'm going to do. But my uh, friend in another kiosk that used to repair cell phones, he uh, uh, started uh, repairing appliances. And I had experience with appliances from, uh, from my community in Israel. Because in, in Israel, I came from a very small uh, agricultural community where uh, people start working st- they started working at 12 wow. so from uh, when i was 12 year old until i was a 19 year old i used to assist uh, the electrician of my community and in in small communities the electrician he does uh, a lot of stuff that are uh, you know beyond just uh, electrical so we used to do appliances too we used to do uh, phone lines and and Anything that has to do with wires, we, we used to do. Yeah. So when my friend, he started uh, um, working with uh, appliances, he offered me to, to join him. And I joined him for a month. I went to, to jobs with him. I drove around the city and I helped him out. And I found that uh, it, it, was, uh, you know, it was easy for me because of my experience in the past and i actually found it much more enjoyable than than uh, you know working in the mall working in the mall was just so lucrative that it, it would be uh, uh, you know ridiculous not to do it yeah but uh, you know i really i never really enjoyed the uh, sales like i do uh, getting my hands dirty and repairing stuff and yeah and it it also repairing also is uh, it suits my values better because I'm really into recycling and, and the environment. And, and also, I love uh, uh, helping uh, people save money. Yeah. So when you repair something, you save their money because they don't have to buy a, a new thing. But in sales, it's the opposite. You're wasting people's money. So... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To so it went against my values, in a way. But but anyway, um, I, I joined up with uh, another friend, because, uh, you know, um, driving around the city and repairing equipment is, is fun and nice and everything. But uh, being from business, I wanted to open my own business. So I joined up with another friend, and we were working on building... Uh, a warranty company for, for um, appliances. Oh, okay. And for eight months, we, we were working on that. Six months into the project, uh, we, uh, we split up. We had, a, we had like, a, a, each of us had responsibilities and he worked on his responsibilities I, I started with my responsibilities and I finished before him. So my wife, she got really upset that I'm in the house the whole time. <laughs> I'm bugging her and, and being on her case constantly. So she wanted me out of the house. And there was a, a different friend who worked in a restoration company who, who mentioned that her boss is looking for employees. So I went and interviewed uh, for, you know, as a as a temp, just for the time okay. that I needed, until my my partner will will finish his part. But um, eventually, it didn't work out with uh, with my partner. So I was left uh, working in this uh, restoration company as a temp. While I was interviewing the the owner of the company, he he saw on my resume that that I repair appliances. So he took me to the warehouse and showed me the, the broken stuff pile. The pile. And <laughs> the, the big pile of broken stuff.
0: Yep, that every, every restoration and, and he, company has.
1: Uh, well, hopefully for me, each one has a, uh, a pile, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: But I, I found that most people, they have this, uh, this corner in the warehouse where they pile up all of the... All of the broken stuff. We called it the graveyard. The graveyard. Yes, some people could do that, or the yard. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I told them. I told them. Let me see if I can do something about that. And, and being, you know, coming from appliances, I found that uh, that uh, restoration equipment was was uh, easy for me to repair.
0: Huh.
1: And. You know, being from business, I wanted also something better for myself than just working as a temp in in a restoration company. And I thought if I if I can get a more more restoration companies, and I'll just repair everybody's um, everybody's equipment, then then I can do you know better for myself. So. So that's what I did. I I quit working in that uh, restoration company. I started knocking on everybody's doors. I went to, I went to, to, you know, I Googled. I Googled all of the restoration companies. Yeah. And I just went to their address. And you'll be surprised how many companies are not in the address that they advertise. So many of them have just like fake addresses.
0: So... Not easy to track every one of them down, huh? Yeah, sometimes you
1: drive like forty-five minutes and then you get to a coffee shop. You're like, hey, I'm looking for a restoration company, <laughs> and they say, "Oh, we we are a coffee shop." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I found I found the ones that I found. I didn't really want to call them because with my accent, I was afraid that they think that I'm soliciting something from india
0: oh <laughs> and like <laughs> like a, like a, a yeah a, just a uh spam call or something like that
1: Yes, so I preferred showing up i think in person uh, in yeah. person I can uh, give a better impression
0: well that's that's true for all businesses though right you know uh, it's it's worth the shot of stopping by and and some uh, some uh,
1: companies they just took me straight away to the back and they say, "Hey, we have this pile. What can you do about it?" And and other companies, you know, it took time to pursue them. And yeah. you know, let me take your card and and uh, you know, then they never call. So then you show up again with chocolates Hey, now here's some chocolates Maybe now you'll call me. Yeah. And some of them I'm still uh, pursuing. Some of them have promises. Yeah, we'll, uh, let's talk le- next week. But, you yeah. know, that next week never comes.
0: Do you feel, um, I remember there was uh, somebody had asked me a while back about, you know, how, they got, how, how to get sales experience, right? And I've always felt like those, those um, you know, whether you're working at a cell phone uh, store or those kiosks in the mall. Um, I would encourage my own kids, like if you want sales experience, I don't think there's any other car sales too. I mean, some people speak badly about it, but something where you're constantly engaging with the public um, and, and like you said, whether or not you have a product that you're fully committed to, but that, that coming over the fear of approaching people, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. And then figuring out on the fly, like how to make a connection with people, right? Um, do you feel like that helped you um, in the process of sales?
1: So, so yes, definitely. When I when I started in in my business, um, I was uh, I was really shy, and it was very difficult for me to to approach people but working in the mall, you just get so much experience because yeah. there's so many people uh, walking around in the mall. Every person is a potential customer. Right. And in my business, we actually used to uh, stop people and offer them our products. So if you are just standing there and waiting, you are wasting time. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, constantly, you constantly have to keep your stuff busy. If you are not uh, in, if you are not doing a pitch, you have to generate a pitch by standing and calling people, hey, would you like to try? Um, and, and, you know, some, in some companies, they are really aggressive. They'll actually hold your hand and pull you. Yeah. In, in some companies, they'll, um, they'll use um, different tactics to, to stop the people. Like they'll approach women, for example, hey, I like your shoes. Where did you get them from? And Sure. Oh, that's so, oh great! Let me show you. Also, I have over here some stuff. Yeah. And you know, I, I really didn't go so far as being that aggressive. But you, when you do that for so long, you just get used to talking to people that you don't know, and you get a habit that you know, you get used to it, and it becomes fine. Yeah. Today I can talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, well, that I, I think, walk around on the sidewalk and I talk to people.
0: I think, too, you know, I've always trained people. I mean, one of the biggest things is like you're saying, being able to go to somebody's office and it's OK to say no. Right. They're already saying no to you if yeah. they're not doing business with you. So you're really not losing anything. Uh, but you have a whole lot right. more actually going out and meeting with them. So. So you you launched the the. Uh, born to repair, and you've been doing that a little over a year now.
1: Uh, about a year, almost a year, I think. So about I used to repair appliances before, right? And and now I, um, the restoration equipment I do for, I think I think uh, next month will be a year, or maybe in two months. Well,
0: that's awesome. And your your business is mobile. You go to people's businesses and repair it there.
1: Right. Uh, I drive around with my Prius. Okay. And all of my all of my tools are in the back.
0: So that and, goes and, eco-friendly all around, huh?
1: Plus it saves me money.
0: Yeah.
1: And I go I'll go to people's warehouse and I'll repair in the warehouse. I don't have my own shop so that keeps my prices low. Right. And the way I define my business is not necessarily to repair but my uh, my goal is is to save you money. So by by reducing my expenses, I'm saving you money by not having to to charge you so much. Right. Just the the one advantage, the uh, another one advantage of uh, working in your warehouse is that if I can find parts in an unrepairable machine, I'll just install them in your repairable one yeah unlike when you send your stuff to the to the shop, then they judge each machine individually and they say, Oh, this machine is unrepairable now you can come and take it and they 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 won't really look at your inventory and say okay let's let's combine let's uh, uh, put two machines together I call that a uh, frankensteining yeah. so let's say uh, Frankenstein these two machines and let's see what what happens but I enjoy frankensteining, plus I charge by the hour. So the more I frankenstein, the more money I make. Yeah. And I make uh, more money by frankensteining than I do from ordering parts.
0: Well, and it saves saves them money too, right, by harvesting from their existing. um, I know I worked with a mechanic here in Seattle, and they were really good at that. Like, you know, this one's dead, but let's save these and these parts that are interchangeable with... Other equipment that's always going to need repairs.
1: And um, most shops they have they have a pile of uh, unrepairable stuff, and yep. they say we'll save it for parts, but they don't really have the experience nor right. the the men to to use those parts, right? Or to put those parts into use. But so then I come to that pile, and I can harvest so much stuff out of that.
0: So people, most people are familiar with, I mean, the two main brands in restoration are Drye's and Phoenix, um, and and those are primarily made in the States. Do you notice a big difference between um, working on those well-known names and then some of the other companies that have come into play, and then, you know, some of the overseas kind of, they look similar on the outside, but they're, you know, quite a bit different on the inside. Is there, is there a big difference, do you notice, between, you know, the well-known brands and some of the knockoffs?
1: So, first I have to say that, that each, each company has their own advantages and disadvantages. Sure. So, for example, when you order stuff that are made in China, of course you are getting stuff that are made in China. But there is an advantage that you are paying less, right? And I can't really say if they they break down faster or or less, because you know I don't know when the machine was bought when I get it. So that's a question for the owners of of that those machines, and. I find even even with the uh, made in the US uh, uh, brands there are uh, recurring recurring problems even if they are even if their parts are uh, built to better then many times there's less accessibility for me as a technician okay and
0: That's so what you're trying to get to the part right so if there's a part
1: uh, deep inside that needs cleaning uh, like, if there's a pump that got uh, clogged, even, you know, other companies, you know, the made in China companies, maybe the pump will break and then you have to replace it. But it's so much easier to get to that pump that I save my clients uh, money by using less of their time, using less of my time. But uh, the, the other ones takes me so longer to, to just reach that pump because they have so much screws or, you know, so difficult to get to there. And, um, you know, when we when we spoke before it, uh, I, I really, I really, you know, it sounded like I um, like I, I don't recommend the, the Chinese brands. And it, it's not the case, you know, since then I, I thought about it. And if if uh, if you need a machine now and you want it cheap, then maybe a Chinese brand is better for you. But if you want a machine that lasts a long time and that will uh, perform uh, better, then I would recommend the, the American brands. And <laughs> there are also, also advantages with the American brands that, uh, at least right now, advantages that I see is that they have parts that are stacked up here in the states. So if I need a part for a dry is for a Phoenix, I can get it. If I need a part for a B Air, then B Airs they don't have parts right now. Right. And you know I I um, I developed relations with people in B Air. So I email the guy directly every time he he returns that email straight away. So during normal times when I need B-Air parts, it's very easy and cheap to, for me to get to them. Yeah. But right now, you know, their factories are closed. And, and um, uh, you know, some, some of my clients, they need parts that I can't deliver.
0: Yeah. Well, I know those B-Airs in particular, when we had um, carpet cleaners that were delivering equipment, they're so much lighter. You know, one guy can get them in and out of a van quite easily. And I know Dryes and Phoenix have made the much smaller boxes to kind of um you know, those are really nice, especially when you have a van that has limited capacity. But uh yeah like you said there's there's advantages and disadvantages. You just gotta know kind of what you're getting into. Right.
1: Then if you have two machines that have the same specs, then uh, Picking them up will, will tell you something about the, the machine itself. If yeah. it's heavier, that means the frame is heavier, the tubes are heavier, probably has more gaskets where you would want gaskets. Right. And the lighter one is uh, basically it's lighter because they' are saving on materials. Right So even if, the, even if the blower has the same specs, even if the refrigerant system has the same specs, you know long-term performance will will probably be different. But like like I said, if you if you need a DQ right now, let's say you need the air mover right now. Because you you need something for the for the job and and you don't have enough of your own. You know, you can go to the Home Depot and pick one right now. Right. Yeah. And and it, it might be cheap might not last as long, but you know, you can do it right now. So, so there's the advantage and, and disadvantage to, uh, to everything.
0: Yeah. To doing that. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> is there something, I guess, probably the most expensive piece of equipment that most restoration companies have in their arsenal and the one that's a little more complicated is the DHU. Do you, um, are there things that you see, common things that break down and common things that people can do that will extend the life of that equipment and help so, them work for them longer?
1: D-HU's <laughs> the, the um, the they all have recurring problems that are mostly preventable by doing two things. First of all, always keep them standing up. Yeah. Never, never lay them down. When you when you lay them down, then the compartment that holds the condensate that is collected, it's always, the, it's always the open on the top. So when you lay them down, it just spills over. And when you have spilled water inside of your electric machine, that seeps into the electricity, it will corrode your wires, it will corrode the, even the screws that are holding the frame together. So sometimes I I will break a screw uh, because it's just too rusty. And then it's a headache to replace it. And and in worst scenarios, it will even go into the motherboard and the control board. And will just corrode everything inside. So uh, the second thing I would recommend is, it sounds really stupid, but... But always use the correct filter and always make sure that it's installed correctly. Because when you don't, then dirt will just go into the machine, right. that will clog up the, the airway and eventually will destroy the pump.
0: So is that some or- some pumps? Uh, sorry is that where uh, like people you think companies are trying to save money by buying a cheaper filter thinking that they're saving money do you think it's that or just not ordering it correctly
1: what i find is that some people just don't use filters oh at all oh at all and and some people they they have a stack of different filters in their warehouse they have they just take the wrong filter that doesn't sit correctly. Oh. So, so as long as the filter covers the, the intake, the air intake, if it covers it right, it will be okay. But if, if you put your, uh, your dehear in a house that you're tearing down, sure. and you're tearing down the ceiling and the de-hue is is like right there,
0: in the same and movement. it doesn't
1: have it doesn't have the right filter, then all of that crap goes right into the dehu
0: oh man many uh, many di
1: intake are on top
0: yep you're probably preaching to the, there's probably owners across the board that uh, are just saying this is what I've been saying, you know it's like turn the D-Hue off, take yes. it out, do your demo. I don't know how many times we get fans coming back that are just covered in crap and and the dehues are just, you know, um, just covered in dust. And nothing's more, nothing's worse than that drywall dust, right? Especially in a wet environment. (laughs) Well, um,
1: uh,
0: for me, I personally don't really
1: like the insects, the dead insects. Oh. And uh, (laughs) what's also funny that sometimes I find in the machines are the the, uh, sunflower seeds. Oh. It's like somebody, somebody is sitting there and throwing sunflower seeds into the, <laughs> into the Oh
0: huh. That's gross. Well, I'm, yeah, and then you know, obviously, the ones that go into crawl spaces and those kinds of things is probably even even grosser things, right?
1: Oh, I find so many times I got my fingers cut and, and then infected because of all of the slime that grows in in de-hues. Uh
0: well, one thing uh, one thing we're seeing, like with the COVID nineteen, is a lot more restoration companies are taking care to you know wipe down their equipment and disinfect their equipment, and um, you know unfortunately I can speak from experience that doesn't always get taken care of even after a mold job or you know a category three sewage loss we're not as uh, proactive as we should be, and so um, you know maybe maybe that's one positive thing it'll raise the bar on people um, taking more care to clean their equipment, just from a disinfection standpoint, but also the preventative.
1: Right, and when you uh, take your dehu to, to a job, and in the previous job, they tore a ceiling over the dehu. Yeah. Then it makes you look really bad on yeah. the second job. Gross, yeah. So, so it, it might be disinfectant, uh, dis- but, You know, if if you have the chips and nails are sticking everywhere, you know, you still look bad.
0: Well, you get uh, stuff in those rubber wheels and then you go over a hardwood floor. You know, you're going to be paying for that floor. And if the
1: the blower is noisy, you don't really want noisy blowers or shaky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's... It seems, uh, well, and two on the, um, I think we talked about before, you know, keeping the um, dehues upright. So as an owner or a manager, if you're not providing the right filters for your team, but then also, you know, what uh, a good ratchet strap is a, you know, six, you can get a pack of them for 24 bucks, right? So six bucks a piece for a pack of four. Um, And I know, you know, we've had battles in the past where not, you know, people have rickety bungee cords that you know the equipment's bobbling around in the truck and those kinds of things and so you know making sure your team has their right equipment to secure your dehues, and then that uh, they're trained to secure them properly and not take shortcuts yes
1: and w- what i also recommend is to uh, assign a person who is in charge of making sure that the equipment is uh, being used correctly and I find that uh, usually the operation manager is like a really busy man and he doesn't really have time to to deal with that. But if you have a a warehouse manager uh, or anybody who stays in the office, just give him the authority to go into the trucks before the people leave at 8.30 in in the morning, before they leave to the jobs, going to the trucks, Make sure that uh, the right filters are installed. Make sure that the machines are clean before they show up on a job. Make sure that they are tied in correctly. Yeah. That they are standing correctly. And also, what really mm-hmm. helps is to have a person that makes, makes sure that when the uh, machines come back from a job, that they are um, uh, downloaded from the truck uh, correctly. That people are not uh, holding the the wire of the, um, the blowers, the okay, air movers. Right. Yep. Some people, they, and, and then I get machines that, that you know, the wire is, uh, is pulled out, but from the inside. So nobody knows why it's not uh, working. <laughs> oh. But, you know, it's just, a, it's just a matter of screwing back the wire together. But it's completely uh, preventable. If you send a machine like that to the shop, they'll say, oh, you need a new wire. Right, you know, and and that's a shame because money is wasted.
0: So you got so people. I think by. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yes, people just they hold the. You know, if it's not a if it's not a too big machine, they just hold the wire. Yeah. So, um, I think that by having a a person who is in charge of the of the machines yeah if you have somebody that is in charge of the machines and has the authority to tell people what to do then that will prevent a lot of the damages in the future right. so i recommend like a warehouse manager if you have a warehouse manager whose job is to clean and and to make sure everything is in place also give him the authority to tell people you, you know this is not the right filter or that because Many times there's a warehouse manager, but he, he doesn't feel like he has authority to tell people what to do sure. or people don't care about what he says. They just, you know, behind his back uh, when he's not looking, they they'll just, you know, won't care about what he said.
0: Yeah. So well, and that's system wide, right? That the, like you said, that the owner's engaged and cares about what's going on. And um, I know a, another thing. You know that I've always tried to pay close attention to is training right I mean those simple things that you take for granted you talked about holding the cord you know to carry it out of the truck I don't know I've seen that as much but I definitely see people pulling the cord and you know yanking it out of the wall um, rather than going over to the wall and unplugging the equipment and what damages that uh, grounding prong yes
1: laziness is a big issue in this business it's a big problem. Yeah. And I don't know how much you can uh, you can avoid it. I mean, sometimes in the job interview, the guy looks perfect. And when he's around people, he looks perfect. But then next to the machines, um, you know, he mistreats the machines. And I don't know if there's something to do about it. But there are other stuff that you can do. Huh. And, you know... Um, most uh, business owners, uh, they don't even go to the office so much anymore. Yeah, And I don't blame them because I, I was a business owner and um, it many times I ne- neglected my business and I just let my employees do their things and I thought, oh, I'm making enough money anyway, so why should I care? And I, I get it if business owners are like that. But, you know, you can always assign somebody who will do that job for you.
0: Sure, if it's not if you
1: be- uh, want to save money,
0: yeah, Yeah. yeah, that goes to the system. And
1: also, yes, it's also uh, beneficial to the employees where they have somebody who is responsible that is engaged in the business. Not it doesn't have to be the business owner, but if you know there's somebody who is in charge of every little detail, then the, also the employees will care more about those details.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that trickles that that top down and, and bottom up, right? Well, I think you mentioned when we talked before, you know, you can tell going into a business if uh if the owner's there and engaged, the management's engaged, the trucks are clean, you know, typically you're gonna have a better care for the equipment and obviously product to the client, right? Like right. how you present yourself translates to how you take care of your company vehicle and the company equipment and the client. So um Yes, yes. If you go to somebody's house
1: and your truck is full of crap and the doors are not working because they are clogged from too much stuff and too much yeah. crap, then, yeah. then that doesn't look good. And what's yeah. the chance that they'll call you again? Or what's the chance that they'll, that they'll uh, recommend you to other people? Right. And that's even worse in, in when, you, when you deal with a complex. Because if you have a complex with uh, 50 apartments, and the person calling you is not the is not the homeowner. It's the person working in the office in the complex. Yeah. And he sees your crappy truck. He won't want your truck in the complex because he doesn't like crappy stuff in the complex.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, if you can't take care of yourself, it's going to be hard to take care of your vehicle. And it's going to be hard to take care of the client. So all that stuff kind of ties in together. Um, well, that's right.
1: Awesome. It uh, trickles down into the equipment, too.
0: Yeah. 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 Which is like you said, if, if we don't have the equipment, that's a lot of where, you know, restoration companies are making their money with uh, uh, some of the makeup money on the mitigation side is having that equipment that you own and that you've been taken care of, um, which is where you come in. Right. Um, so any um, I mean, that's uh thank you very much. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, you talked about your background getting into uh, property restoration and sales and uh, any other closing thoughts on, obviously, what the service you provide is helping companies to save money and keep things running, um, which is going to be, you know, as we figure out the new normal, um, hopefully as we beat COVID-19 and then, and then um, you know, what the world will look like after that. Any thoughts on how people can optimize things and what that looks like to keep innovating? Your story, obviously. You, your life has transitioned, you have to innovate and adapt and, and reinvent uh, your business. So any thoughts on those?
1: So first, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it that you took your time to speak to me. And, um, and basically when it comes to equipment, just to follow the instructions. You know? <laughs> the instructions, they say exactly how to, how to treat your equipment. And deuse, hues, uh, keep them upright. Uh, repair uh, switch the filters you know use the correct filters extractors don't uh, don't let them overfill if they overfill they'll break down Ah. so always empty them out and keep them clean also between jobs you know uh, keep them clean and uh, HEPA filters for example there's the big the big HEPA filter but they always have a smaller filter on top of that that should be replaced all the time because otherwise that, uh, that uh, you know, puts a toll on the HEPA filter, which is really expensive. Yep. Sometimes the price to replace the HEPA filter is like half of the price of the whole, uh, of yep. the whole scrubber. So, you know, you should, you should take care of the HEPA filter because that's in the heart of the scrubber. That's what makes a scrubber a scrubber. Right. And there's a filter for that, so you can just replace that. But uh, basically, basically, uh, anybody who wants to video call me outside of my territory in San Diego is welcome to, to call me. And I'll uh, video call with them.
0: Oh, wow. And,
1: and you, can assign, you can assign a guy to... Uh, to do the repairs, just just you know, give him tools to do the job, and I'll guide him. Open over here, you know, this uh, needs to be unscrewed, and and I'll repair the the um, equipment over video call. Wow. Of course, uh, I have a charge for that. Sure, but uh, I, I guarantee that it will save you money. Definitely, is better than sending your equipment to the to the shop. If If shops in the States, in the rest of the States are like shops here in San Diego, then it will definitely save you a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like you pride yourself and that's, I found you on um, Instagram. You're born to repair um, there on Instagram and uh, you pride yourself on trying to find common sense solutions that create value for your customers, which is... um, which is unique. I mean, that, that's a win-win, right? You, you're providing value and they're, they're continuing to extend the life of their equipment. Is there ways to find you outside of uh, Instagram?
1: I have a Facebook page under the same name. Okay, It has exactly the same content. And is that the uh, you can DM me or message me.
0: DM or message.
1: For people who don't know me, I would recommend, uh, yes, use social media to, to contact me. Yep.
0: So you, you, you're you based in San Diego, you're- Once mobile, you-
1: But you also do the video call- oh, Sorry, I didn't hear that.
0: Sorry. Um, you're based in San Diego, but uh, you're mobile. So you go to people's locations, but uh, you've also been successful in helping people navigate via video calls as well.
1: Even uh, even through text, some okay. people text me yeah. because uh, you know they see they see my content and they send me messages uh, through uh, Instagram and they are like, oh, I have this problem with this machine, so I text them back uh, yeah. the the troubleshooting many times, but successful. Yes, and I never charged anybody for
0: texting. Okay. You said you're uh, so what have you learned about um, you said you try to keep your content relevant there on um, social media. Has that been effective for you. What's been your approach.
1: So, you know, trying, trying to find um, clients through social media. I found that that was very uh, beneficial for me. Sometimes uh, even uh, more beneficial than knocking on, on people's doors and going to their office. So, because through social media, I have direct access to the owners of the company and I don't have to go through the, the uh, person in the office who's like, oh, yes, give me your card. And then they, they never call me. Okay. So, um, I wanted to find a way to to have content that is uh, unusual. Yep. And because I found, you know, after following, I'm following over a thousand restoration companies right now. And I find that everybody's content is is pretty much the same content. It's (laughs) like, oh, here's a picture of a in inside of a broken house. And call us, we are available 24-7. And here's a, a new guy. And that's his name. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like so repetitive, doesn't it? if you see one post uh, you you already bored with the second one, but everybody is having the same post yeah. so yeah, I needed a way to uh, to you know to to stand out and not to be as boring so my post won't be buried in the piles of posts, yeah, so that's why my if you if you follow me on social media that's why. That's why you'll see that my content is so stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> and that's basically to, to get attention. Yeah, And um, so one day I was uh, working under, um, under a dry ease and dry ease are so difficult to screw. And, and I had this idea for a post in my mind about, uh, about uh, screwing the bottom of, uh, of a dry ease. And I thought, how can I how can I make a post about screwing the bottom of a uh, dry ease without making it uh, sound uh, creepy? Yeah, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll make it rhyme. Then it might be funny. And so, so I made a little uh, poem about uh, screwing the bottom of a dry ease. That was my first uh, poem.
0: Your restoration repair poem. And
1: and so. Uh, I made another one like that, but then I continued after, after my second poem, I just uh, put on like boring, boring posts, you know, here's, here's me repairing, here's me fixing. And I met a friend of mine once and he said, oh, I really liked your, your poems. They were, they were so funny. I really like them. So since then, I try most of my uh, posts to, to have uh, poems in them. And, and most of them are are, are just like so stupid, <laughs> and I find that the 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 more stupid they are, the more uh, uh, likes they receive and and shares and and comments. Yeah. So since then, that's what that's what I do. So usually, usually they they'll have like a sexual metaphors or. or just uh, you know uh, immature uh, stupidity in general so if you are if you are into immature stupidity then then my social media is like great for you
0: (laughs) born born to repair is the place to be Uh, that's awesome and
1: and if you don't at least uh, i have your attention
0: yeah yeah well, not, not, not too many people are writing poems about, uh, you know, dehumidifiers. So that's uh you're definitely unique in that, uh, that respect. So, well, it looks like um, you've got a beautiful day yeah, to enjoy. There in God. San Diego. Um, so thank you so much, Elon, for being on. Um, like we said, uh, I found you through born to repair there on Instagram and um, people can find you on Facebook and um, uh, thank you for joining us, man. Well, that's a that's a wrap. Um hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Elon Posmonic of uh, Born to Repair as much as I did. Um man, I can remember <clears throat> the first time we interacted with a mobile repair shop and it it changes things. I mean everybody's already got that pile of stuff that's either dead or on the verge of being dead that uh, no one knows what to do with, and um, having somebody of Elon's uh, caliber come to your shop and help you either repair it or tell your uh, equipment manager to finally put those things out to pasture, or like he talked about, being able to harvest pieces, you know, say, hey, this one's dead, but if we harvest this, this, and this, we can, you know, get uh, four out of the five back up and running, Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's funny because he mentions that um, uh, cleanliness truly is next to godliness, right? So, if you come to work clean and and prepared to do your job and looking the part, that translates to your customers and the people that are working for you, whether you're on the bottom of the the food chain or the top of the ladder. And that you know the way you care for your truck, the way you care for your warehouse, the way you care for your office. All translates to how you care for your customer and them. And I can remember, you know, being a tech, and when I got my first quote-unquote uns- assigned van, you know, I had my plastic here and my straps here, and this is where my duct tape always was. And I took pride, and every Friday I'd wash my van, and um, and and we were a part of a team of people that had the same um, mindset. You know, my van's gonna be cleaner and tidier than yours, and uh, And it really, you know, especially my early days was mold remediation where cleaning is our job, right? So, you know, how can we clean somebody's house if we can't keep our own vans clean? And then think of all the crap that you're taking home with you if you're not um, going through those motions. And so that plays into COVID-19, right? You know, not taking stuff home with you, um, you know, minding your PPE, donning and doffing, those kinds of things. So it's funny how he mentions you can tell... When an owner is engaged at their their location because of how you know organized and clean things are, and his admonition um, that if if it's not going to be you as the owner holding people accountable, uh, assign somebody, um, you know the equipment manager and empower them. It's funny how often he mentions that empower them to be able to hold people accountable, Um, and I've seen that go both ways where. Techs won't, um, and maybe they don't understand, equipment is where we make a lot of our money, right? I mean, that's the money maker. That's the thing that's paying your salary, so you need to treat that thing a whole lot better. But I've also seen owners that or managers that won't buy nice straps or don't, you know, yeah, I've got this truck, but I don't have anywhere to strap things down to. I don't have any... Um, you know, links in the wall or any any openings. And then I've got bungee cords that are stretched out because you've had the same bungee cord for 12 years. So it goes both ways. You know, communication can be lacking. You've got to ed- educate and train your team, which goes to, you know, our um, our sponsor for this podcast is MorningTechMeeting.com. And Eric talks about Eric, the tech whisperer, Sprig. Talks about um, you know soft skills development and those kinds of things that if you're not talking and training your technicians and your team through your process, then uh, it's it's not going to happen or they have to figure out those things on their own. You know, educating your clients and educating the community. We talked about that a little bit in the opener as far as like supporting local. You know, if you're local, you've got to get that message out. You've got to educate your clients as to why and how you do what you do. Um, and do it, Elon. Go to his Instagram. You owe it to yourself. He is the Renaissance man of the restoration equipment repairs. And um, not only is he a whiz with uh, fixing dehumidifiers, but <laughs> he writes pr- some pretty stinking funny poems and um, you know about drying equipment and those kinds of things and posts some per- some entertaining pictures. So um, I was encouraged. He talked about. I remember somebody asked me. Um, you know how do I get over my fear of sales and develop sales skills and I was thinking exactly like his experience tells is you know go get a job at one of those um, you know kiosks in the mall or selling cell phones or something like that those high traffic areas because the biggest thing is sales and I know for myself and people that I've trained you've got to get over the fear and the fear is silly the fear of failure is silly sillier than failure and more detrimental because When you think about it, if you're not doing work with that person or that company, they're already saying no to you. So being scared, I don't want to go over there because they're going to say no to me, is silly because they're already saying no. They just haven't said it to your face. So get over that fear of going in the door. And the other side that also uh, creates a lot of liberty when you're out um, scouting clients or visiting clients, going door to door. Obviously in property restoration, a lot of that's going to visit agents offices or property managers those kinds of things but if you get a bad vibe or you know just the people are 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 not nice people those kinds of things it's as important who you don't want to work with as who you do you know so if somebody's going to be a turd you know that's going to affect turds are going to attract turds and if you keep getting turd clients you might be a turd person so maybe you need to fix something and if If your referral's a turd and they keep referring you turds, you know, stop doing work with turd people and go get some non-turd clients. So, um, hopefully, uh, uh, anyways, yeah, it's true. I think you attract who you are for the most part. And so, you know, um, you know, a lot of times if, if you got work that you don't enjoy doing, maybe you need to look, take some ownership, right? And, um, and and fix the equation, uh, like Elon talks about creating value, adapting your business to enhance that value, standing out, um, and that's something he does on his Instagram. You know, it stands out. It's unique content. It's different than what other people are doing. Um, so, hope you enjoyed that. Um, you can also watch the video on our YouTube. It's three Qs, uh, the Dojo three Qs. And then, um, which stands for three questions with the pro, which is the article form uh, that we uh, contribute to uh, as a segment of the Intentional Restorer with Restoration and Remediation Magazine. So we've got coming up uh, on the podcast, Water Damage Daily is joining us. We're going to keep their identity a secret, so I'm working on trying to edit the the audio for that. Um, We also got Eric Sprague, the tech whisperer, the tech whisperer. that was a great conversation. Um, you got to check their stuff out and um and William Mendoza of Rockland Restoration and Rockland Firewater. Man, we got some just some some talented people in the industry that are coming up with some great ideas. So, I hope you're enjoying this. Um, please uh you know, follow, share it, you know, all of those kinds of things really do help. Um, and especially if you can rate it, it helps elevate it so people can find it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the dojo is the do your job dojo, uh, where we're working to help uh, with leadership development for people in entrepreneurs in the um, service-based industries like property restoration, construction, insurance. And uh, hope you enjoyed this, and we will see you next time. <laughs> listening to
1: podcasts and um, many people ask me about my social media because it's so stupid, you know.
0: <laughs> so yeah, let's let's definitely highlight that um I don't think it's stupid at all. I think it I it's interesting, you know. I think you got a good blend of both talking about the technical and it's just neat to hear people's stories, you know. So
1: yes, and I think people love to talk
0: about themselves, don't they? yeah yeah we, we we seem to uh we seem to have that in us so